45th wedding anniversary is coming up in a few days. And I've been trying to put something together, something really special for that occasion. And so I've been going through pictures, you know, actual pictures on photo paper, not on my phone or my iPad, and trying to find things that would highlight our time together. <laughs> Let me tell you, we have a lot of pictures. Okay, once we started having children, well, most of the pictures seem to be of them. Uh, when our first one was born, you know, there were all these pictures of Chris by himself. And then when Ben came along, we don't have a lot of pictures of just Ben. You know, it's Ben and Chris. But there's not a lot of pictures of my wife and I together. I mean, somebody had to take the picture, and that was most often me. And back in the day... There wasn't any such thing as a selfie. Now, doing this has gotten me to thinking. There's a lot to life when you start to look at it. 45 years we've been married. There's been a lot of mountaintops. There's been some hilltops. And there's been some valleys. Okay, this has brought back a lot of memories in our time together. Most of them are really good. Places we visited, nothing exotic, you know, just but places were interesting to us. You know, we, we went to Disney and Bush Gardens. Uh, when we were in New York, we were only about 75 miles from Niagara Falls. So we'd been there different times. Beaches we'd gone to, uh, state parks, uh, people that we saw. You know, many are no longer with us. Diane's parents and grandparents and her aunts and uncles, uh, my mom, my sister, my aunt. You know, we got a lot of pictures of those people that, you know, is a memory for our kids and grandkids to have. And no one can take those from us. But it's always good to revisit those things sometimes, just to be reminded. You know, I'm glad that God gave us the ability to remember these important things. And in that way, we're different than any other part of his creation. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Father, I give you thanks for the memories that, that I have, that I hold on to and hold dear. Father, I just uh, give you thanks for the people you've put in my life and the ways that they have helped me to grow. And, Lord, I just um, give you thanks for my wife, you know, that she's put up with me for 45 years. But, Father, I, I thank you that uh, we have grown together in you, that you have been the center of our marriage uh, since I came to know you as Savior. And, Father, I just praise you for that, that, Lord, you've made us strong. You've helped us to get through those valleys and You've rejoiced with us on those mountaintops. And thank you, Jesus. So, Lord, as we look at your word today, let's see if we have something new. Lord, something that we overlooked in the past, something that we can learn from that um, maybe we've become familiar with but never learned a lesson from it before. So, Father, open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts, and let the Holy Spirit guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, every message I have, I hope to be a challenge to those that listen. Okay, I know that there are times that you may not agree with what I say, and that's fine, because the Bible is left to our interpretation. Hopefully, sometimes we can agree to disagree. Uh, there's some areas that I'm never going to agree with you on if, if you disagree with me. And there's others that I can think, you yeah, know, well, maybe I need to look into that myself. But with that being said, I think this message will have two possible effects. One, you'll agree with me, maybe not totally, but generally speaking. Or two, you will disagree with me on most or many of the points that I'm going to make. Okay, so let me begin with kind of a lengthy passage of Scripture and this is from Ezekiel chapter 37, beginning in verse 1. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Come, breathe from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live, and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. Well, 14 verses there. But we had to get the whole story. In verse 11, Ezekiel quoted the Lord saying, these bones are the people of Israel. It could be said that these bones are the people of 
America. These bones are the people of France. These bones are the people of Australia or anywhere else. Why? Because overall, the church of today is a field of dry bones. Now, not all churches, and maybe not your church, but I can only speak generally of the churches in the United States. Having been part of the United Methodist Church for 38 years as a member and a pastor, I saw and heard a lot of dry bones. Every year we would get a directory. And in that directory, it broke it down by churches and their attendance and how much they had paid their share of their apportionments. And members, you know, new members, members transferred, members that died, and their, and I don't know, can't call it anything else, I guess, but they're giving their income. And every year, for most of those churches, they would decline. Overall, attendance decreased in the majority of churches, in the majority of districts, in the conferences. There's always a new plan, a new gimmick, because it worked in this church. You know, look at what's happening over here. Not realizing that pastors and churches are different. The thing that was not being tried as for a whole domination, denomination, excuse me, was getting back to God's word. <laughs> you know, when I go to church, that's what I want. I want to be reminded of what God has done. I want to be told of his promises, of what he's going to do. I believe that is what I did as a pastor. Hopefully that's what I'm doing in the podcasts that I do. God's word is as true today as it was when it was written. And it is, is as important for us to read and to study and to know it and what it says. God didn't give us a lot of fluff in his word. Yeah, he told us what we need to know straight to the point. Some difficult to read. Some almost disturbing. Right now, we need his truth more than ever. God had a plan for those dry bones. God has a purpose in all that he does. I like what Ezekiel tells us in verse 3. Says, Son of God says, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. How true that is. He asks us today, can this church be alive again? And I believe he's telling his church this. We need preachers who will preach that hell is still hot, that heaven is still real, that sin is still wrong, that the Bible is God's word, and that Jesus is the only way of salvation. Okay, that's what we need to hear. That's what needs to be coming from the pulpit. Needs to be coming from podcasts that you may be listening to, maybe in the programs that you watch on TV from different pastors. You know, it's nice to hear some fluff every once in a while. Everyone likes to be patted on the back. 
Everyone likes to hear how good we are and that God is love. Well, wait a minute. Now, that's not fluff, you know, because we, we know for sure that God is love. But he's so much more than that. God is justice. And sometimes that hurts. Sometimes that drives people away. Sometimes it drives the church away from God and towards the world. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews has to say in chapter 12, beginning in verse 7. He says, Endure hardships as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while, as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Well, I know when I got disciplined growing up, I certainly didn't like it. I didn't understand it. You know, I didn't deserve it, I'm sure I thought. But, you know, it came. And I can look back, you know, and I didn't have the greatest family life that there was, but it certainly was not as bad as many other people. But I look back and think, you know, I'm glad that my parents did that, that they set boundaries for me and that they made me toe the line. They had expectations for me. Problem is, many people in leadership at today's churches were not disciplined by their father. They miss an important part of growing up, an important part of maturing. Too many parents over the years want their kids to have life easier than they did. Not always a good idea. Because children need to learn problem solving, making not just good decisions, but the best decisions. <coughs> Excuse me learning to listen to others, taking criticism. Well, who likes that? And compromise. You know, we don't want to compromise. We want our own way, but we need to learn to compromise. They don't receive these things, and then they're put into the, into the church in roles of leadership, and they don't have the qualities that they need. Instead, you know, they have confrontation. They get their feelings hurt. Oh, my. You know, they make bad decisions. They make selfish decisions. They form alliances. Even sometimes they can cause a church to split. And nothing is getting accomplished for the Lord because there's nothing there but a bunch of dry bones. When we do too much for our kids, we rob them of the capacity to learn 
how to take care of themselves, and more importantly, how to take care of the things of God. Now, I can speak from personal experience on that. You know, I've been in those board meetings when people are just insisting on their own way. You know, if somebody gave a large sum of money to the church, well, they think that they can dictate, you know, how it can be used. You know, I mean, if they give it to the church and say, I'm giving this to the church to buy a new sound system, okay, then that's what you would do. But if they just give it to the church and then they come up to a board meeting and they say, well, you know, that money I gave you, I want that to go to the, the new sound system or I want it to go to, you know, choir robes or, you know, shrubs in front of the church or whatever it might be. You know, I've seen and dealt with those dry bones. I believe I've told you that we just finished a 12-week study on the book of Revelation. Excellent study. I learned and relearned and unlearned a lot during that time. One thing that I took from this study, every church, every pastor, every leader in the church needs to be familiar with chapters 2 and 3 of the book of Revelation. We read those chapters and think that Jesus is talking just to the churches of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Wrong. He's speaking to the churches of Oklahoma City, Mexico, New York City, India, Los Angeles, China, France. You know, he's speaking to the church today. Okay? And so you you look at those and you say, okay, I can see that's kind of speaking to our church. You know, maybe we need to have ears to hear what it is that is being said by the Lord. Matthew 18.20 says, from Jesus says, wherever two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Okay, well, that's a verse that we like to quote. You know, you get together with a couple of people for coffee and you say, you know, well, Jesus is here with us, you know, and so we start talking about our group or Bible study or whatever. And I know what Jesus means is that he's not just with us when we're singing our hearts out on Sunday morning. He's not only with us when we're doing Bible study. He's not only with us when we're standing up for life. He's not only standing with us when we're ministering to the homeless. No. He also meant, I'm with you when you're not acting like the Christians that you claim to be. He meant when we're making those selfish decisions for his church. He's there. He meant when we get out of order at meetings. He's right there. He meant when we look more like the world than his church. He's right there with us. He meant when we become dry bones. He's right there watching. Jesus is there at all of those times. And I don't believe he's very happy with his church. Pastors and lay people alike, none are innocent. All need to repent and start doing what they claim they do. Let's take a look a little bit closer 
at the valley the Lord took Ezekiel to. Now, many Bible scholars believe that it was a valley of Hinnom, also known as the Valley of Slaughter, a place where pagan rituals took place. And so there was bodies of men, women, and children that had been sacrificed to the pagan gods. And notice verse 2, where Ezekiel said, He led me back and forth among them. God wanted to make sure Ezekiel took it all in. Not to stand on the edge of the valley and just kind of scan it and look over and say, oh, wow, man, there's a lot of bones there. But to walk around those bones, to step over some of those dry bones, seeing that those bones that, you know, they, they belong to some maybe bigger people and some of them, man, it looks like they belong to children. Ezekiel said, I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry, bones that probably had been attacked by predators. And this was something that hadn't happened just recently because it says the bones were very dry. God wanted Ezekiel to see how mighty he is. He wanted Ezekiel to see you know, there could there not be any life in these bones. I mean, these bones look like they've been here for a long time. I mean, there's just nothing to them until God came along. God takes us to the valley of dry bones of our churches. And he asked, Son of man, can these bones live? And what he's asking is this, can the people of the church put their selfish agendas aside and do what I've called them to do. He may be asking you that question as you stand at the edge of the valley. He may be taking you by the hand and leading you back and forth among the dry bones of his church. Your response to the Lord when he asked you if those bones can live will probably be the same answer as Ezekiel's. Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Be the leader in God's church that he needs you to be. Be the one that has seen the bones and knows that life can still be in them because God is still God. Let's pray. Father, I give you thanks for this word. And Lord, I just pray that We'll take it to heart that, Lord, we'll see that when we've been called to uh, leadership in the church, when we've been called to authority in the church, that we need to take that uh, very, very seriously and do the job that you've called us to do. Do the job that you've given us the gifts and the ability to do. And, Father, that we can do it for your glory, not for yourself, not for the church, but for you, God. And so, Father, I know that there may be some listening that, you know, you're standing on the edge of the valley. Well, let me tell you, take a stroll through it and see what needs to be done. And I lift up anyone that may be listening to this that doesn't know you, that 
They don't know what I'm talking about, but they know that there's something lacking in their life that, you know, they've tried everything else. They've tried uh, sex, they've tried drugs, they've tried, uh, you know, whatever, their job to make all of those things uh, the most important part of their lives, but they still feel empty. Lord, let them know that what they're missing is you and that there's only one way to come to you. Jesus told us that in John 14, 6. He says, you know, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one, no one, no one comes to the Father except through me. So Father, that may sound really exclusive, but Lord, it's inclusive because it's for anybody and everybody that wants to come to you. So Father, let them know that this is the prayer that they need to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need a Savior. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. Thank you for Jesus coming to life, that I can have new life in him. Father, just forgive me and help me to be the person that you need me to be. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen.